Hey everyone, welcome into the Carpet Chat. This is not your favorite host, Shuk. This is the other handsome, nice, young Jewish boy on this podcast, FFG. We're in a Shuk-free environment. He is out celebrating the victory uh, and also apparently celebrating his five-year anniversary. So good for Shuk and Mrs. Shuk. Uh, As for me, I'm joined here by the other most important member of the podcast, your favorite Reese Nelson believer, the main man, Namix. Namix, how's it going? It's going great. I heard that I'm not allowed to host because I am not circumcised. So I know her. That's a very strong requirement for this podcast, as the Jewish folk will uh, tell me. You know, there are standards in this football club and in this podcast, and we're uh, very much still in the progress of figuring out what exactly those are. So circumcision might be one of it. Again, we're kind of in our, our 1920 Arsenal phase. We got a little donut of sadness going, but you know there's big things coming. And there were big things coming tonight, of course, in the 3 o'clock kickoff in the UK. I think I didn't really check what time it was in the UK. Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. We're going to open things out with Chub of the Week. Normally, Chub of the Week comes at the end. But if you've been listening to this podcast, or if you post on the correct places in the internet where you should be posting... You know that this podcast is home to one of the number one Reese Nelson believers on the Arsenal internet. Namix, I'm setting a stopwatch for 60 minutes. I'll cut you off at the hour mark, but until that time comes, please give us your speech, wax poetically about your hero, Reese Nelson, butterfly emoji. You know, before there was, um, before we knew about who was at Hale End, you know, we, we, can, we understood the Fabregas of the world, the Wilshers of the world. We knew, we know about the Sackas of the world, the ESRs. We saw him uh, curling it at top bins at 15 years old, but before, or before those two and after Fabregas and Wilshire, the one that people tend to forget is none other than our Reese baby cheeks, cutie pie, sexy man, Nelson, this guy, this kid, I mean, he's a man now, but let's talk. This kid was rated higher than anyone really even remembers. He was supposed to be the future of England with Sancho. It was going to be a, a England future of Harry Kane being trophyless up front with uh, Sancho on the left and uh, Nelson on the right. He went to Germany. People forgot about him. He was playing well. Every, I watched some of the games. I'm, I was the biggest Nelson fan. He played fucking well. And I was excited for him to return to play under Emery. He played okay under Emery, but no one plays Emery ball well. Nobody does. It's a curse. Um, if you do play well, you there's something wrong with your uh, with your brain. And that's why maybe we question Gwendouzi's mental health. Um But the issue with Reese Nelson was always one thing and only one thing. It wasn't his touch. It wasn't his passing. It wasn't his technical ability. It wasn't his hard work. It wasn't his off-the-ball movement. It wasn't his defensive work. It wasn't his love for the club. It was his fucking injuries. It was a hamstring here, an ankle there, a groin here, a knee there. Not enough for surgery, but not enough to give him a run of games. And he was finally getting healthy in preseason. He looked good. He looked good this preseason. People forget he was linking up, beating Chelsea. He was doing so well. You know, he wasn't playing in the beginning of the season. And then he started playing a little bit more. And then he, and then Saka got hurt and he came on against Forrest. And what the fuck did he do? We are down. It was nil-nil, which is like being down against Forrest. And he scored two goals 
to get us out of the slump and unlock something that made us score four. I mean, it might have been even five, I forget. And we smashed for us at home, right? But then the World Cup break happened at the worst time for him because much like the story of Reese Nelson, he got hurt during training in an off-peak uh, schedule. And we forgot. We forgot again what he did on the field against Forrest. We forgot. We're praying, please, let's sign Mudrick. Please, let's sign this player. Oh, my God, Trissard's going to be... You know what I said? I said, we got to wait for Reese, turn, uh, return, <laughs> Reese to return. As someone called the Reese turn, even. Hashtag Reese turn. Get a trending shirt's coming out next week. Um, and people laughed at me. Oh, his contract's up. We're not going to sign him. And I said... No, this guy, this boy is Arsenal through and through. He loves this club. He said it millions of times. He could, he would probably get snapped by maybe a West Ham or a level team that doesn't really know how good he is. But no, he came on the field today. I, I, there's a picture of him, of Arteta with his hands on his shoulder talking to Reese Nelson before he's coming on. So, and Reese has that dead look in his face, that dog inside of him. You can see the dogs barking in his fucking eyes. You can see it, you can hear it, and all he wanted to do is get on that field and chase that ball. What did he do? His first touch of the fucking game crosses it in to Ben White for the fucking second goal, right? If I believe the second goal, if I'm not mistaken. And then, what did he do? He he was 100% pass accuracy, 100% shot accuracy, won two tackles, he he was playing out of his fucking mind. It was just another day at the office for Reese Nelson, because when you give him a chance... He fucking, he shines. That's the player he is. He is the original star boy. I'm sorry, I love Saka, but this boy is the OG star boy. We forget that. So, and then, you know, we thought maybe he got the, a 2-2, you know. Thank God Reese Nelson came on. We, we saved a point. We could have dropped two, right? Or dropped three points. And what does he do? He says, no, the game's not over. We have a corner kick. We have a game's not I'm going to sit on top of the box. I'm going to let the big boys in there. If something if it comes up here, I'm ready. Comes on to his weak foot. Fucking slash lashes it right corner of the net game. Call and what did he do? He had the fucking audacity to do the calm down celebration. You, you see Saliba running to the corner flag, kicking it like he scored the goals. Like he he juked out the cameraman. And Reese Nelson is just the little LeBron James calm down celebration. And you know why? He knows it's Bournemouth. It's Bournemouth at home. This is just light work for him. This is just in the, he he's played harder player, players on the streets of London because he's a fucking dog. So this isn't a chub of the day. This is a fucking absolute massive erection, premature ejaculation of the day. Reese motherfucking Nelson, hashtag Reese turn, hashtag Reesonance. It's supposed to be Renaissance, but it doesn't work with this name. I'm sorry. Uh, Reese Juvenation. You know, anything that starts with an R, put his name in. I'm naming my dog Reese. I'm naming my firstborn Reese. My fiance, her nickname is now Reese. My penis, it's now named Reese because that's what's going to be for the rest of the season. This is the this is the catapult for us to win the title. And there's te- there's moments in the season when you know you're going to win the title. And I felt like this was the moment. Not Reese's goal, just the last 20 minutes of the game. Um, and yeah, chub of the day, erection of the day, full out premature ejaculation, premature ejaculation of the day goes to Reese Nelson impossible act to follow no one deserved that goal more than as you called him the original star boy reese nelson and no one deserved that monologue more than the internet's number one reese nelson stand in eunomics uh i have nothing much to add besides maybe uh loris montada um another another reese return uh nickname uh my chub of the day is also reese nelson everyone's is reese nelson what a strike what a finish what a game 
Uh, Nomics pointed it out. It's going to be lost in the breathtaking front of the DVD greatest moment you've ever seen finish. Prior to that finish, Reese Nelson had made an exceptional substitute appearance. He already had an assist. He had perfect passing. He looked like he just absolutely belonged out on the wing for Arsenal. And uh, there's nothing chubbier than that, you know? Anyone worried about our forward depth? Anyone worried about the title run-in? Or anyone just worried about these damn three points today? Reese Nelson was the answer to all of your questions. In math, he was the solution. I forget the rest of this copy pasta, but he was the main man. My chub of the day is also Reese Nelson. Uh, incredible stuff, an incredible game. Uh, we're going to follow our format more or less probably in this one. Feel a little extra pressure on this one. I know another prominent instant reaction podcast just doesn't seem to be appearing um, because some fans are plastic and go to the game and then go out and celebrate and get drunk in London while us real internet fans sit at home and watch the game and record podcasts immediately afterwards. So we're a little high stakes here. We'll try to keep it on focus. And I think we'll start off, therefore, with our clickbait headlines of the day. Nomics, uh, I'll toss the ball back to your court. Our chub of the day is double Reese Nelson. What is your clickbait headline from Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2? Eight referee howlers you won't believe. Um, I know I've tackled this in the past, uh, attacking VAR, but today it just seemed so forced. It seemed, it, it couldn't be this bad. And I, I've, I've said this before, I'm a huge proponent of talking about referees when the game does go your way, because that is when you can most unobject or objectively rate a match or a referee's performance, because we, we got the three points. At the end of the day, we got three points. It's not, it's, it's, it's whatever, right? But there was, we counted eight potential pen um, opportunities for the referee, including four blatant handballs. Four. It was just, it, it, it's not, it's not a whether, oh, was it a handball? It was four blatant handballs, right? It, whether you want to say ball to hand in a couple of them, the fact that we didn't even get one penalty, especially the one that I believe was off the goal line with the arm, um, that, I, I I forgot. I'm, we must have missed the memo where this weekend we're allowed to play with multiple goalkeepers. I must. It must have been one of those last man back situation that you do as a kid, where the last man back is the goalkeeper and you use hands. I don't know. I must have missed that memo. I've been busy this week with work. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I'm. I don't. We thankfully it didn't come to costing us three points because again, Reese Nelson is the OG star boy. But um, it was bad. It was bad, and it, it's less bad on the on-field referee and more bad on the VAR referee because, you know, maybe a couple of them, the VAR, VAR referee can take initiative and say no pen, but the fact that not even one decision, he told the referee on the field to go to the monitor to check because a lot of them were were 50-50. Like, you know, if, if the VAR referee doesn't think it's a pen and he brings the other ref to the field and he goes to the monitors and he doesn't see a pen, you know... It sucks, and it's probably still a wrong call, but at least there was two eyes on it. I guarantee you if this ref, on-field ref, saw a couple of those uh, handballs that weren't called, he would have given a pen. So um, my headline, again, is eight referee howlers you won't believe. And, yeah, how about you? Yeah, well, of course the referee didn't check the monitor and then potentially not rule the call because, as we know— English football VAR has to completely break from every norm established in any video review system in any sport across the world. In American football, in in other nations with VAR, in 
actual football, soccer, call it what you want. Referees sometimes look at the replay and decide, no, I I was right. I feel verified. I feel correct in my call. But for some reason, the PGMOL finds that offensive. If the referee goes to the board, they're making their little rectangle shape with their fingers and they're overturning the call. Because again, we have to reinvent the wheel. We cannot learn anything from video reviewing elsewhere. So now, thank you for that one, Nomics. Uh, the most disappointed I've been in Mikel Arteta in recent months was the fact that after winning the game, he celebrated. He didn't go after the refs. Uh, maybe he got into it with the fourth official. We don't see everything. So maybe he was on the sideline doing that. But I wanted to see him go wag his finger at the ref. Uh, I think that would have been a good choice. Didn't bring it up with the media after the game either, I think. But, you know, I trust on that front that Mikel is working the long game, you know, building a real offensive against these bastards in the officiating crew. My clickbait headline, I'm going to go with uh, Edu. Hang up the phone on Leao's agent. Hang up the phone on uh, who's another wide player? Mudrick's agent. Hang up the phone on every winger you are in contact with. Rafinha, you're staying in Barcelona. Sorry, bud. Doesn't look like they can pay you, but you're stuck there. Hang up the phone. We've got our winger. His name is Reese Nelson. And we're selling Eddie and Balogun and buying a striker instead because we don't need winger depth. We do not need an extra wide man. We are loaded, loaded, loaded because Reese Nelson has done it on the right in his first cameo of the season. He's done it on the left in this cameo, which is allegedly his third. There was a second one in the middle there somewhere. Reese Nelson can do it all and we don't need help. So, yeah, let's go get Vlahovic or something instead because uh, I am still an internet fan and I will not be satisfied until we have an all-star team. If we're good, then we're good. Uh, Namik, do you have any thoughts on that? No, you're you're right. Um, I've been calling for Reese Nelson to get that, get more game time. I know it, it's all about him staying out of the hospital, staying out of the training room, staying away from Gary O'Driscoll. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I will say, though, that don't hang up the phone on uh, Kravadana from Napoli because I'd fucking love that guy at, at Arsenal. But I'm with you. He's not have... calling. Yeah. That we one's not need... happening. We don't need uh, We don't need Leia. We don't need Mujic. We don't need Rafinha. Rafinha, the one who c- couldn't even play better than Anthony of the World Cup? No, thank you. Um, yeah, but don't, don't, I don't, maybe we'll get Oshiman instead, you know? Maybe sell Eddie, get Oshiman to be our backup to the backup. He can be our third-string striker behind Balogun and behind Jesus. But yeah, I'm with you on the headline. These are the options we get. And, you know, these are the benefits of developing just world-class winger after world-class winger in-house. Uh, I mean, the real headline people don't want to talk about is, is Reese Nelson ahead of Gabby Martinelli already? But we'll, we'll, we'll save that for later on down the road. I think next up is Slander Center, Namik. So we're going from the highlights. But, you know, we're mean fans. We're internet fans. There's got to be someone you want to talk shit about. Namik says with the Slander Center. This is hard because I was ready... This is gonna sound bad. I I've got ready. two. This is easy. This is. I've got two ready to go. Okay, so you've got soft you on us. Now I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to milk this one out. I'm gonna pretend like we didn't score that last winner, and I'm gonna put two slender centers, and one is Arteta, and the other one is Shaka, because that substitution Shaka coming in for Vieira was the most pointless substitution Arteta has ever made in his tenure at Arsenal. Um, it was. I've never seen a manager look at the bench seeing he needs a goal where we're all, we're up their ass. We're all over them and say, yeah, that guy over there, that Granit Xhaka over there. Yeah. He's the one put him in for Vieira who Vieira was having a decent, I thought he was having an okay game. I mean, he, could, he, he wasn't great, but he wasn't 
I, I wouldn't say he had power or anything. Uh, so yeah, our, uh, M- Mikel maybe maybe he was panicking a little bit. He was just trying to fucking find something, some loose strings here and there to try to piece something together. Uh, but you know, luckily, because I'm gonna pretend like that was not any slander. I'm not gonna say any slander. Um, because Reese Nelson saved the day. Reese Nelson is the story today. I know we want to talk about other things. Reese Nelson is the story. Um, he saved Arteta's career because if we lost to Bournemouth or dropped points to Bournemouth at home in a title race, I would have been calling for Arteta to get sacked. And if you guys don't know my sarcasm, I'm completely fucking around. I would not wish Arteta get sacked over Bournemouth one point. But the Shaka substitution was really bad. It was really bad. It brought it brought nothing to the team, and it didn't cost us. But it just didn't add anything in that situation. You got to add something on that in the field, maybe. Perhaps even like I don't know if we have any other attackers on the bench, or maybe I would even say like yeah, yeah, we probably probably just leave them on, leave the people on, right? Leave the ones that were on that we were getting closer. Uh, but yeah, that was, that's my slander center. I'm gonna say Shaka slash Arteta. So I appreciate you, Nomics. You're taking over. We know you're the former player on this podcast, but you're taking over as the narrative guy here, and you have been blinded by the narrative, the the Reese return, the Reese turn, and the greater narratives that you've crafted on this season and in your takes. I'm the stack guy here on this podcast. Everybody knows that. I'm all about the data. I've got my spreadsheets tracking X-Dog, tracking X-Swag, and various other advanced metrics that you cannot even begin to understand. And in viewing those, instead of the on-field football, I'm able to come up with insane contradictory takes to share even after glorious victories like this one. So in all seriousness, I've got one real slander center quality one, and then I've got one that's you know a little bit of a earnest posting, a kind of honest slander that uh, I'll throw in at the end to make up for Nomics's lacking slander. The slander one, uh, people who post on our Discord, they understand Nomics is short for, and again, people who just listen to the podcast might not know this, Nomics is short for Salibonomics. You're blinded by your love of your boy Willow. He gave away that first goal. It was an unlucky bounce off of Big Gabby. Willie was completely asleep at the wheel there. Let his man just sneak right in behind him, backdoor cut like something out of a basketball game because Saliba had no interest in marking his man. He led to, I think, their second big chance. They kind of had three big chances outside of uh, outside of the set-piece goal. They scored one, didn't score the other two. One came straight from Saliba, just booting a ball straight into an attacking midfielder for no real reason. Saliba does exceptional things. He's calm at the back. He cleans up plenty. But I thought the story of the center back pair this game was Gabby having a great game, being a front-footed center back, getting forward and helping the attack, and cleaning up a couple big mistakes that big number 12 signed to Ting, by the way, Willie Saliba made. And hey, maybe we get a discount on that contract. Now, this is not a video podcast. Nomics is holding up a sheet of paper to his camera that says boo on it. So I will present you with the floor, Mr. Saliba Nomics. For if your we're very gonna, unbiased if we're take. Get, if we're going to slander people for this performance, I, I'm sorry this is going to hurt people because he played well in other areas. It's fucking Thomas Party. He is the reason we, co- we cost two goals. The first goal, he just completely let that man run behind Saliba. Was Saliba's reaction not great? It wasn't great. Yeah, because Gabriel missed the clearance that he does 99.9% of the time. It doesn't get through. But that man... That man ran into the box. That was that was Party's man. And then for the second goal, again, Party just let that guy run in front of him and had that get that ball in the net. You know, yeah. 
Party, he's lucky because Party played fan- phenomenally the rest of the, everywhere else on the field. But when it came to, um, when they had counters or not even counters, just in our box, he wasn't great. He wasn't great marking. That's a kind of an area of concern for, I think, Party during the season. I've, I've never really felt comfortable with his marking. I've never felt putting him on the biggest players or like the shiftiest players is smart. I think he's more of a space marker rather than a man marker. But that's a whole different conversation. But we're not going to throw the blame of the first goal on Saliba. I- I'm sorry. It's as much Saliba's fault as it is Gabrielle's fault, in my opinion, for that first goal. Uh, but I think between the three of them, Party, Saliba, and Gabrielle, that is mo- that is Party's fault. That's number five's fault. He should be in prison for many things, including those two goals. Yeah, I, I didn't feel the need to slander number five on this one, although I did see some people really celebrating his on-ball performance. I will just jump in here. He was great on-ball, but in addition to the second goal where he completely lost his man on the set piece, the first goal where he was bypassed, most of those other good breaks did come from Bournemouth just kind of cutting through our midfield like a hot knife through butter. Not too often, but if that happened with Jorginho on the pitch, you know we'd be hearing it about how Jorginho can't cover space. So I will get that out. And I think that does cover our number five great on-ball performance uh, discussion. We don't need to get it in there. Real quick, just because I, I did budget a full hour for Nomics to talk about Reese at the front end of this pod, so we got a little extra time to work with. Uh, my earnest slander center, this one is less slanderous, more genuine concern. Or concern trolling, you know, just depends on where you're from on the internet. Uh, I'm worried Takahiro Tomiyasu can't actually do the job for us anymore. This was maybe our best defender last year, maybe our player of the season until he got hurt last year. The level overall has increased fair amount. We're a better team than we were even when we were playing really well last year. And the technical requirements of that right back slot have increased a fair amount. Ben White is a very technical on-ball player. Tomiyasu, he's impressively two-footed for a fullback. He's pretty technical as a passer for a fullback. And the standards of that right fullback position, I'm worried they take more than just a technical fullback. I'm worried they take a real elbow back, a guy like Ben White, who is a ball-playing, super technical, comfortable being ball-dominant center half, who can then do the right back stuff on top of it. And I am beginning to be genuinely concerned that Tomiyasu just does not have that level of, of technical quality. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I go full slander on that. Um, I will say I am a little bit concerned. You know, we all love Tomiyasu. If you don't, it's probably something related to COVID and you are probably a right wing nut job. But uh, yeah, he he's that, he, this is going to be harsh. He's that kid you played with in your team, or maybe you were even that kid who, Everyone likes, works really hard, doesn't make any massive errors, but as you get older, you kind of phase out of that player. He doesn't really get, he doesn't really advance that. I feel very seen. Uh, yeah, I, um, I've had a few teammates like you. Um, but yeah, to- Tomiyasu, I don't know, I'm not quite ready to say that's it. I'm, I'm more ready to give him more game time, hopefully in Europa League, um, and see the Tomiyasu we know he can be. He was... I think he was the gateway drug to the way we want our fullbacks to play. Uh, he, we saw how we want our fullbacks to play last season. Uh, less tyranny and more Tomiyasu type, right? And then Ben White kind of took that a step further. So, you know, he, he, was, he was the marijuana and Ben White is a crack, right? So 
Um, yeah, I, I still love Tomiyasu. He's so handsome. He's one of the most handsome guys on the team. A new haircut, man, is making me feel some type of way. So I'm not quite sure to go full slander on him. But give him some time. Let him... Who knows how he's feeling? He's been injured. He was in the World Cup playing injured. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not... I feel uncomfortable going full 100% in the slander. But it, it's it's a concern. It's a it's a it's a legitimate concern for real. Yeah, I'm I'm zero to one hundred real quick. And uh, Tomiyasu, I'm I'm just scared, man. And I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just concerned. Uh, let's do another segment that I'd like to call uh, whipping around the other players, where we're going to highlight the few other players who were not celebrated as our chub of the week or slandered as our slandered center. Uh, We're going to touch on most of these for all of 10 seconds, where uh, I'm probably going to say what the player did. And Namix, please jump in with your thoughts. I think there are a few that we're really going to talk about. So we're really going to talk about ESR's cameo. We're really going to talk about Vieira and Odegaard, probably as a unit, the eights. Uh, And I do think we really need to talk about Ben White kind of just to celebrate him. I'm going to rapid fire through everyone else. Aaron Ramsdale uh, made a few good saves, came up where we needed him. He makes big plays. Could he have done better on either of the two goals? Probably not, but uh, who knows? Could have been another big save. All around just fine game from our favorite podcaster, Ramsell. Yeah, Ramsell um, didn't have much to do. He had three shots, let two of them in. One, uh, really, two of them they really can't really do much about. It's not really his fault. And then the third one, he did a great job and saved the game for us. So, yeah. To the back line, we've slandered Saliba with some defense. We've slandered Tomiyasu, but from a, a place of concern. Uh, Zinchenko, I think pretty standard Zinchenko game. He did Zinchenko things, did not have any moments of brilliance, no moments of magic, no defense unlocking passes, but did everything else you expect him to just without the uh, cherry on top that's maybe at times a requirement uh, from a creative player like him. Yeah, um, he he did fine. I mean, I, I feel like our, our, our defense and midfield are just kind of disconnected today. Um, I felt like, uh, I mean, it, it maybe felt disconnected because the ball was between mostly our midfield and our forwards. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, I, I feel he was fine today and not, nothing particularly bad, nothing particularly great. Uh, Big Gabby was the last defender we have left to talk about. I mentioned him briefly. I thought this was a masterful Big Gabby game. Didn't have like the real physical striker matchup for him to really get sunk in with. Sometimes I think that's a misuse of his talents, though. He is that front-footed center back. He was getting on the ball deep into their attacking area, like not just in their half, but in their attacking third at times. Uh, He made a few good defensive plays. God, we could have used him at the end of one of those set pieces. Uh, This game was screaming for a big Gabby header, but I thought he basically didn't put a foot wrong. Another great game in a a second half full of great games from big Gabby in my eyes. Yeah, um, not putting a foot wrong is probably uh, a little bit exaggerated. He did fuck up on that first goal, but he made up for it by creaming his pants on Nelson's goal at the end by just collapsing to the ground. Like, like when I come for the first time with my fiance and it just, I, everything out of me just makes me want to fall to the ground. It was, it was, it was pure, just, just raw emotion by him. And because of that raw emotion and that, that still photo you have of the, the whole third of the pitch where he's on the ground, Odegaard's on the ground, Saliba's kicking the flag and Reese telling everybody to calm down. That alone is to make me forget about that mistake he made in the first. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that image of you on the ground, Nomix, when you consummate your marriage. We know uh, we're excited for you to lose that V-card. Don't worry, we're all rooting for you. Um, 
I think we skipped the midfield for right now. We're going to highlight the eights in detail, and we talked about big number five already. Let's go forwards. Troussard didn't play enough for, to really care. Uh, we have celebrated Reese in great detail, and I think we'll touch on ESR a bit as well. Uh, you got any real thoughts on Martinelli and Saka? I think a, a quiet Saka game, a reasonably quiet Martinelli game, both were largely able to do what they do. We didn't see Saka trying to take on his defender too much, but he tried to cut in and shoot a few times. Nothing really coming off. Uh, but overall, not a game that makes you question what either of these guys are doing. Just when you're a forward and you don't bang the goals in, uh, what else is there to say? Yeah, Saka, he's built enough credit up that we can he can have these type of performances and it doesn't really affect how we look at him. But he did, if we lost this game... He did miss that. I want to say it's a sitter. I would say it's a half sitter where it was a saved and he bombed it and just like right at the goalkeeper when he could have just placed it in the bottom left corner is on the first half. Um, he did fuck that up, but yeah, he five out of ten performance from him. Like if you're if you're if we're saying his normal performance is a six out of ten, seven out of ten, like that's his baseline now. Like he was below his baseline. Um, uh, yeah, and then Martinelli's he just he tried to do a lot. But he wasn't given the opportunity to do a lot, if that makes sense. He just didn't get in the right spaces. He tried to drop back a lot to get the ball more. And that's just not his game. That's not who he is. Uh, but yeah, that's... I mean, I'd like to... Moment of silence for Trossard, Trossard's hamstring. We hope it recovers quickly. Uh, and then, yeah. That, that's... it's really It was really an anemic performance by our front three until Reese rejuvenated it. Or Reese rejuvenated it. Uh, so it's... Yeah, that's all, that, that's all I have to say on those. Do we want to go in depth on some players, or do you have a well, rapid fire I, I remix for say, me? Roundup. I do want to name. Let's just say eleven different players, real quick. Um, Ospina, Bellerin, Mustafi, Holding, uh, Kalisniac, uh, Shaka, sadly Aaron Ramsey, Awobi, uh, Mkhitaryan, Obama Yang, and Lacazette. And you're probably wondering, like, why are you naming these guys? They're long gone, right? That was the last lineup that Arsene Wenger put out um, when, when he was at Arsenal. And if you look at that lineup, looking back with hindsight, that that lineup had zero dog. Zero dog. I think an even negative dog. Like They were giving dogs away to the other team when we played them. And let's just, let's just say what today is. Today just shows that we're not that Arsenal anymore, right? We're not going to just lay up 2-0 down 70th minute. We don't... Like or 65th minute, we're not gonna give up. We, we even when it's 90th plus six and there's only five minutes of added time, and you you give us a couple more kicks, we're not gonna give in. We're not gonna give up. This team is fucking hungry. That we have edge that City don't. We don't have the talent that City has, but we have the edge that City and United and Newcastle, Arsenal's of the past, Chelsea of the past, United's of the past. No, I, I can't remember a Premier League team that has had this edge. And again. Nothing to do with talent. There is plenty of talent on this team. But just the sure will to win. The 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 Wenger years from 2010 to 2017, uh, it's over. It was, the years are over. And I think today was a perfect example. Um, and yeah, do you have anything to add on that? No, just join us this offseason for our 2000-part miniseries where we'll break down those late Wenger years and we'll uh, point a lot of fingers, cast a lot of blame because you know we're all here for that here. I think that's really the the origin of the angry online Arsenal fan is the banter era and those late banger years. So uh, we'll get into it for sure one day. Let's wrap up our coverage on this one by getting into the actual interesting player performances we haven't gotten into. 
ESR, I think we're kind of going reverse uh, what I'm expecting in terms of discussion length on this one. But let's start out with ESR. Um, I still think he looks tall and thin compared to last time we saw him. Maybe he is just thinner. Maybe he's grown. I think he looks like an interesting physical profile in ways that he did not when he was a more integral part of this team. Um, I think he looked technically just fine. I think he is plainly on the technical level of this team. He can handle the level of technicality that Mikel Arteta demands of anyone in the attacking five. Uh, he obviously didn't quite have the match sharpness for a killer edge, although which of our forwards really even had killer edge today. And the other thing is, I, I, I think he was really trying to follow the instructions of that left wing spot. He was trying to be a stretcher. He was trying to be a touchline winger. I don't think he's a fit for it. I think we saw the discomfort there. He banged 10 goals being a left half space winger. That's not a spot for an Arsenal winger anymore. So I'm uh, pleased with ESR, the player, pleased with where he seems to be physically, but I don't think that left wing spot is for him uh, anymore. Yeah, particularly concerning was about five to 10 minutes before he came off. That shift between when he came off and the 10 minutes before defensively he looked lost when the ball was in our defensive half he looked confused of where that he should be he looked confused of where he should be who he should be marking and it's a very concerning it's very concerning because he's been in the system for a couple years now a few years now right he if anything he has more training sets than anybody else because he's on the sidelines he knows what to expect right in the final third I think none of us question his talent I think we we don't worry about him in the final third it's everywhere else though right uh we 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 fantasize about him in that left eight role. Um, when I say we, I mean like the general public, not either of us. I mean, I do. Uh, I, think, I do. I, I think you're more patrol. Sorry, in the left eight, but I, I could be wrong. Or Vieira. I'm serious. Okay, Vieira. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I I think today was kind of um, a little a little uh, insight of to why that doesn't work. He just off the ball defensively. He's just not there yet. Vieira is more there yet, more there than ESR is, which is a little bit concerning and also exciting because Vieira is developing. We, Vieira is getting to that level that we, we expected him to. He's getting that confidence growing, but this isn't the Vieira chat, it's ESR chat. Um, but yeah, I'm a little concerned. I'm, I'm happy he got 50 minutes under his belt. The, the commentators in the U.S. made a big deal by him getting subbed off as a sub, and it just completely right. missed he, the context. He is not fully match fit, right? He, Crazy, right? They're like, oh, it's really embarrassing. Like He really could contribute much. He got an assist. Right. He got an assist on a great header back post to Thomas Party, right? So you, it's just another re, another example of me not knowing anything. Um, but yeah, he, there was some peaks and valleys with his performance, right? He had some great moments, he had some re, pretty bad moments, and we just got to find we got to lessen the the valleys and more peaks, and then you know it's it, it's going to get there. This first second was the second game since come back from injury, uh, first real actual. Uh, meaningful game. These are uh, yeah. This is his first minutes the, outside first, of the U twenty ones. Yeah. Well, he had the, did he have the ten minute cameo against Everton? That's a great question. I'm pretty sure he had ten minute cameo, that, but those are those are fake minutes, right? We're up for now. Right. Um, but yeah, it, great to see him on the field. It's great to see him leave in one piece. That's a win in my book with ESR. Yep. I, I'm curious to see him as an eight. I think you've flagged plenty of reasons why it, it probably won't work, but I still want to see it. Or as a nine, maybe. I, I really think he could do something as a center forward because uh, he definitely has the talent. I, I needed, maybe I have some object permanence issues, but this was a good reminder for me that I did not make believe ESR being a good player overall. He uh, has some footballing talent. We got on Vieira for a minute there, so let's just make this now the, VR, the Fabio Vieira discussion. Um, I think you saw functionally what he brings to that role. 
Again, he's a creative player who, like Zinchenko, did not have the incisive pass. Again, you're in that slot, just like if you're a striker and you don't score a goal, how good of a game can you have? You're a 10 of sorts, you don't build an assist or even really unlock a defense, how good of a game could you have? But I think he unlocked a lot of space for Odegaard in particular. I think we saw the advantage of having that eight really sitting forward, really threatening those runs, making runs behind the line. And I really think he pushed back the middle of that block, pushed that defense back, made it more compact, and opened up space uh, for Martin Odegaard to take 11 shots mostly, but did create a lot of space despite not doing as much on the ball as I might have hoped to have seen. Yeah, uh, Vieira is interesting, man. Um, I like him a lot. I think he he can bring a lot. He's the this is gonna sound weird. I could be completely misreading it or misanalyzing how he plays. But in my opinion, he he looks like a player that does well when he has less time to think. Right? He I feel like when he has more time to think, he he slows it down too much, or he or he just makes the wrong decision. But with less time, I think he's working on instinct, right? And he's playing the right balls. He's get, he's, he's getting to the right angles. There was a moment he almost dribbled by four players and got a shot off in the box, but he just missed getting the shot off. And this is going to sound weird, but there's an NBA player, or was an NBA player, called Dion Waiters, right? Dion Waiters. Waiters is, Island. Is, I still he, live there. He is someone who was known as being... This is going to be harsh on Vieira, too, of being an absolute bonehead. But then there's times you just click, and he was unreal. Like, he was like, he looked a top 10 player in the NBA. He would hit these threes from fucking distance. He would be, it'd be called, he hit like four or five shots in a row, and like, oh, Dion Waiters, heat check. Let me shoot, let me just chuck one up from like 50 feet. He reminds me kind of like that, right? He, he, he'll start feeling himself, and he'll start playing really well because he's not thinking. He's like, I, I got these people, right? I'm just going to bang him left or right. But, at the end of the day, what I was excited about more than anything was that it showed that a more attacking left eight is functional in the system. It shows that we're maybe beyond what well, we are. Maybe we are beyond the need for a Shaka, and maybe we are need a little more than a Vieira. But Vieira is the type of player that we think we can develop him in, into that type of left eight we need, right? So it, it was an interesting performance. I wouldn't say it was overly amazing or overly terrible. It was there was. Again, like ESR, it was peaks and valleys, and perhaps that's a left pod thing, right? Maybe that's just the a personnel thing, but it, it was it was definitely an exciting prospect, and I would love to us to go into next to uh, our to go to, go into sporting at, with the same front three and then Vieira at left eight, just to kind of see what see where it goes, you know? Could be fun, and I think you're right. We are beyond the need for Jaka dot 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 in a game where we have eighty five percent possession. Yes, yes, uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> I like the Dion Waiters comp. I was gonna, When he brought up thinks too much, all I could think about was that was what everyone said about Theo Walcott for years. But with Walcott, it was just his finishing, right? It wasn't actually his decision-making. The man could just only slot home bangers at a full sprint. He couldn't pick a, couldn't pick a target and finish with time to think. So a little different than the Vieira angle. Uh, let's hop on Ben White quickly because I don't think there's that much to talk about. I think we just want to celebrate Ben White's first Arsenal goal. Um, I think a pretty standard Ben White semi-cameo. He played the second half. Uh, didn't have to do anything too electric defensively. Didn't have to lock down his wing for extended periods of time. Provided his overlap and uh, did his job in ways that Tomiyasu, I felt, was unable to. And credit to the man for picking a great game to score his first Arsenal goal in. Yeah, for a man who hates football, he's doing a very good job playing it. Um, 
I know he's still waiting to be cast on Love Island. I know it's it's coming. It's coming, Ben. You just got to hold on a little bit longer. I heard that's why he wanted to leave the Qatar camp. He was he was waiting for his invitation to Love Island. But yeah, all seriousness, he did he did well. Um, again, it's it's comparing him to Tomiyasu, who didn't have a great day. There, I remember in the past when there were days where Tomiyasu was great and Ben White wasn't, we were saying, you know, this is why Ben White shouldn't be starting with Tomiyasu. I mean, those were more tongue in cheek than anything else, but. Yeah, great to see Ben White get a goal, and hopefully it kind of motivates him to get in the box a little bit more when the ball's on the left side. Uh, I think when you have Gabriel Saliba party to mop up behind you, you kind of take that risk. It's okay to take that risk, especially against the Bournemouth. Um, They have Solanke chasing you down instead of someone like, say, Holland or someone actually talented up front. Uh, But yeah, it's good to see him on the score sheet, as you said. And I uh, hope he develops, and I hope I hope he just happens. I just want to find that love of football, please. I just please Ben, please go watch some Invincibles tapes. You know, try to love football. Man's just doing his job. He found out that the Netflix Love Island knockoff was only for people already on the Netflix show, so he's trying to get all or nothing sponsored by Netflix for next season. Uh, finishing things off in terms of going through the eleven. I think this is the most interesting performance of the day. I think this was a Martin Odegaard performance, unlike any we've ever seen before. Typically, Odegaard performances are uh, Midgard or or Captain O, uh, and this was somewhere fascinatingly in between. We know my my key on Odegaard is always that he is oftentimes a world class number ten, and every number ten has a bad game. And when Martin Odegaard has a bad game in that finicky, difficult, creative attacking position, he still contributes tons as a box-to-box midfielder. He presses like crazy. He tracks back. He picks up the ball deep. It helps with any toothpaste problems, bringing the ball forward. What he typically does not do is shoot the ball 11 times, sometimes with some threat, sometimes with very little threat. Personally, I actually really like this Odegaard performance. I think I would throw in the caveat, like with Zinchenko and like with Vieira, that this is a creative on-the-ball player who never actually unlocked the defense with his on-ball skills. So how good of a performance could it be? But once you remove that part, I think he once again did everything you'd hope for him as an eight, quote-unquote. And I think the shots were productive, man. I think he happened to not get any good deflections, happened to not get any good rebounds off the goalie. I think he was shooting intelligently. He was shooting from good positions. And there's no reason one of those balls couldn't break a different direction. And in a high-variance, low-scoring sport like football, getting a chance, let alone 11 chances, for breaks like that to happen, I think that's a positive uh, contribution from the captain. Yeah, I think well said. Um, For a lot of the game, it was an Odegaard. It was, oh, dear God, that came out. He was... He was, you know, he was just making not the right right decisions, a little bit sloppy. Um, I agree with a lot of shots, but nobody else was really shooting, right? Like, we, we, we needed shots. Like, this Neto, he's a fine goalkeeper. I know I do love him and really wanted him over uh, uh, USA's future president, Matt Turner. Uh, but you know, oh, there's a time and a place, right? And I think he's going to... I'm okay with someone shooting as long as it's he's not passing up opportunities, like good passing opportunities to shoot. And I think there wasn't really those passing opportunities that he was giving up. I felt like uh, Martinelli really struggled to find space to run into. I felt Saka was just a little bit off in his normal game today. Trossard, you know, he his hamstring exploded, and then Reese Nelson saved the day uh, after ESR came on. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think Odegaar right now is suffering from heavy, a thing called heavy legs. 
Uh, we talk about this a lot, and it's a serious problem, uh, especially that number 10 role where you're getting the ball pretty much every attacking possession, and you are making a lot of lateral movements, and you're making a lot of quick movements to your feet, and you're getting hit a lot left and right. He must have came into this game after playing Everton, after playing uh, Villa, after playing Brentford. You know, the, these matches are, aren't easy. There, there's a lot of big bodies that he was playing, and today was no exception. And it, it just seemed like maybe his legs were a little bit heavy. A lot of shots that were kind of maybe not maybe not uh, as focused when he shot. A lot of them went flying over the net. A lot of them, his body leaning backwards. He just wasn't wasn't feeling right. But overall, not a bad game. He, he didn't go missing. He just, I think, tried to do a little bit too much. Uh, but again, everyone was a little bit off today. And I think he was trying to take that onus of, hey, listen, I got to I gotta bring the team back. Saka, maybe it's not his day. Someone else will step up. So I appreciate that. And it, I think it was a good captain's performance by him. A captain's performance, not sometimes we misuse that captain's performance term. It's like he played well. That's a captain's performance. Yeah, no, I, more like more like effort wise, exactly like something rather grabbing than the game by it. the scruff of the neck for better or yes. for worse. Right, taking that <laughs> responsibility. And for years, we have not had players, even when we had technically quality players, uh, players with high quality. Very few of them, bar Alexis Sanchez, were willing to take that responsibility of saying, I will be the guy, I will make it happen. And yeah, all the credit in the world for Odegaard, even though he didn't really make it happen. He he, he tried very hard to, and on a different day, he very well could have. Last segment before we wrap things up, this is not just our post-match pod. We are going to preview the game against Sporting. Uh, a lot of podcasts out there are going to go quickly to like FB Ref, look up Sporting, find a player beyond uh, beyond Hector Bellerin on that team and pretend that they know about Portuguese football. Here on the Carpet Chat, we know an expert on Portuguese football. He is a prominent member of the AVP Discord. Uh, we don't really want to talk to him, and he might be in prison right now. Uh, people think he might be in jail. So yeah, we're he, not... He is, he is currently waiting to be questioned by the January 7th committee. Um, listen, I don't ask any more questions than that. That's all we know. If you know, you know, and if you don't, you're better off, believe me. Uh, So we're not going to pretend to know anything about the Portuguese league. Instead, we're going to jump straight to the only part anyone cares about, and we're going to predict the score. This is the away fixture. They will be in Portugal. Uh, I I don't think, I think there are a few players, players with muscle injuries. They just don't get on the plane. So I think Trissard's probably not going to be there. Uh, Number five at times has been just precautionary. Do not travel too far with him or his ligaments will all explode out of his knees. That might be a, might be a Jorginho angle. Uh, Altogether, I think we'll probably play a pretty weakened lineup and just try to steal the points at home. I kind of want to predict a 1-1 draw, but I am not a plastic, so I'm going to predict a 1-0 Arsenal win. Matt Turner, clean sheet. He makes 14 saves. He's an absolute hero. And uh, America wins the World Cup in, in 2026. Yeah, a couple things. First thing is there's also concerns of whether parties allowed to leave the country. That's for a certain reason we can't talk about. Um, but I actually, you can speak for yourself about not knowing about sporting. I spent the last couple of weeks on Scout watching every game of theirs, and I was getting a good feel. I was like, wow, they have some really good players. And then I was ready to, you know, I was wrapping up my recruiting, and I found out I was actually just watching Celtic the whole time, not sporting, at similar jerseys. So uh, that's that's my bad. <laughs> Sorry. So uh, I can't give you an insight. Uh, Jota doesn't play for them, and, um, and they, I guess they didn't play Rangers four times this year. Uh, but anyway, yeah, sporting. Um, Portuguese, as do we call it a farmer's league? Um 
we call it a farmer's league when players that we don't like come to our team from it. Maybe Nuno played at a farmer's league, but Vieira did not play in a farmer's league. Um, yeah, so I'm saying I, I I think we're going strong. I think Arteta wants this trophy. I think we want our first big Europe, big European trophy. That's up for debate. I think it's big. People don't. Uh, so I think we're going to play a similar squad we played today, minus Trossard, maybe uh, minus Zinchenko. Maybe um, Shaka slips in a little bit. Who knows? Maybe we'll keep Vieira there. And then I think Jorginho does play. Um, and Matty T. Matty T has to play. America's hero. Um, he's going to hopefully get us to get uh, Reyna's son to come to Arsenal soon. But we, as Taylor Twelman loves to say on on broadcasts that absolutely nobody watches, uh, Turner has to play more. And I think he is going to play more. I think he's going to play great. Another clean sheet for Turner because all Turner does is keep clean sheets. Uh, so that's going to continue. Oh, uh, I'm going to say 3-0. Well, there you have it. You got a recap of Bournemouth. You got a prediction for sporting. Now I think we're going to wrap things up. You know, we like to 